Crossover Thursday, the Locked On Podcast Network. Luke Braun of the Locked On Vikings Podcast joins me here at the Locked On Bucks Podcast to talk about Week 14 as the Minnesota Vikings travel to face off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bucks Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Locked On Bucks Podcast, brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to help get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. I am David Harrison. It is Crossover Thursday, so as usual, James Yarko has the episode off. Find him on Twitter at jyarko underscore bucks. Find me at dharrison82. Find the show at Locked On Bucks, both James and I are writers for SB Nations, BucksNation.com, covering your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Find that on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation, and then of course at SBNation.com. If you're new to the Locked On Bucks podcast, welcome. It's Thursday, which means we're doing a crossover episode with the host of the Locked On Podcast show for the team facing the Buccaneers this week. That is, of course, the Minnesota Vikings. And here in a second, I'm going to be joined by Luke Braun, the host of the Locked On Vikings podcast. He and I had a very good in-depth conversation about what's going on with the Minnesota Vikings, what to expect, if anything you should expect uh, from the Minnesota Vikings. And then, of course, tomorrow, James and I are going to be back for our final look. Some We're going to make some predictions, and we're going to issue our game plans for how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can come out of week 14 with their eighth win of the 2020 NFL season. But before we do that, let's bring in Luke Braun of the Locked On Vikings podcast. All right, Luke. So, so looking at this game this weekend, Vikings and Bucks, uh, I mean, I don't think it's an overstatement at all. I don't think we're overselling this game at all to say it's a must must win for both games. Uh, even though it's the Bucks, huge, yeah. yeah, Bucks are sitting one game ahead in the playoff race, a little bit more secure, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, in the playoff hunt. But with coming off of two losses and coming into their bye, one in three in the third quarter of the season. This is an absolute, this is a playoff game. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Um, yeah, it's well, a playoff, two playoff teams and we don't need to look into uh, that any further. They're two playoff teams. I say that's, that's facts right there. Nothing, absolutely. nothing more to examine. Yep. Um, but Luke, <laughs> if you're a Bucks fan and you only watched the Vikings when they played Jacksonville last weekend, uh, you would probably come into this thing and there's no way the Buccaneers dropped this game. Uh, but Minnesota is sitting in that seventh <laughs> spot for a reason, right? Uh, so I think what we saw is the Vikings kind of Mr. Hyde against the Jags, but what does their Dr. Jekyll look like? Because that's usually the version of teams that Tampa Bay gets when they play them. I, honestly, the Vikings have been a different team every single week this year. The, the, the biggest mistake you can make when scouting the Vikings is assuming that whatever happened in a previous game is going to happen again. They, they are completely and utterly unpredictable. What I think what you saw in the, the Jaguars game were a, a lot of mistakes in turnover. The Vikings had a huge turnover problem this year. There's some of that was uh, earlier in the season. Kirk cousins was playing pretty poorly and giving away dumb interceptions. A big part of that is a lot of fumbling going on, a lot of special teams issues going on. That kind of thing has been a problem. The Vikings haven't been able to fix. And so mm-hmm. you can kind of, I guess if you're a Bucks fan, you can sort of expect there are going to be a few freebies. I think that, that the Vikings just sort of puke up. Um, but the way that some of the players played, like I, I thought that, you know, the wide receivers didn't have as good of a game. They kind of got shut down by lesser cornerbacks. That usually doesn't happen. We're probably not going to see that again. Um, you know, the offensive line had an abysmal game. 
we're probably going to see that again in terms of what you get from Kirk Cousins, who's to ever to say he's like an agent of chaos. But I, I think, yeah, if you just watch the Jacksonville game, you're probably not getting a full picture of the Vikings. Um, but if you watch the Jaguars game and go, wow, that team was really inconsistent, chaotic and really good at some stuff, but ruined it by being really bad at other stuff, then, yeah, you probably got the picture. And they talk about that offensive line. And I think that's got to be a point of concern uh, for the Vikings coming in this game. I mean, Especially they surrendered, Sue. Yeah, they surrendered four sacks uh, to the sack-starred Jaguars pass rush. Saxonville no longer exists mm-hmm. in the state of Florida, oh, um, at least not in Jacksonville. Now they look forward to facing the Buccaneers' defense uh, sitting right now sixth in the National Football League with 34 sacks on opposing quarterbacks. So from what I can gather, and you just referenced it, the left guard seems to be the weakest link with Dakota Dozier. Uh, credited by PFF as allowing one of those four sacks, but six pressures total in that game against Kirk or for Kirk Cousins, if you want to call it that. Uh, is Dozier the man Minnesota rolls out in week 14 at left guard, or do you think there's a changing of the guard specifically and figuratively coming? <laughs> Uh, I don't think they'll change it, but a lot of people are calling for that. They're calling for uh, Brett Jones, who started for the Giants a few times. Um, He's been really struggling in certain aspects of run blocking. So the Vikings have been kind of shy about putting him in, Um, but he can play all the guard positions. He's probably the guy that would fill in if somebody gets hurt, uh, which he has this year out of like desperation. But I think it would only be an injury situation. I think they're going to stick with Dozier. They like his athleticism still, and they probably don't think he's going to turn in that bad of a performance again. But yeah, he's been an issue. The right guard slot has been an issue, although now they've got Ezra Cleveland, their second round rookie in there, supposed to be playing left tackle. He's playing right guard right now. It's an awkward fit, but he's doing all right. Um, And I think the other spots on the line are more or less okay. Brian O'Neill's had not his best year, which is unfortunate because he's kind of playing for an extension right now. Riley Reef, I think, is having one of his better years of his career. And I think Garrett Bradbury at center is playing fine. Um, But the interior is really the place to attack. And if you want to be Todd Bolsey about it and blitz and get really aggressive, my advice to the Buccaneers would be to overload the weak side. And the reason for that is because the Vikings run a lot of rollouts and a lot of um, a lot of their run plays also kind of uh, they, they sort of will already by default design plays where they leave somebody on the backside on the weak side of a play unblocked. Uh, and just kind of hope that either Dalvin Cook outruns that guy or they fall for the rollout or whatever and uh, and and hope that that person, you know, the play design kind of takes that player out of the play. And I would say if you overload that side, um, you're kind of attacking a, a part of a, of a Vikings play design that is already weak and you can kind of make these individual matchups not matter. But I certainly am very afraid of like Dakota Dozier versus Ndamukong Su, a guy that's been in Vikings nightmares since he was drafted. <laughs> Yeah, Dominican Sue is definitely a guy I'm looking at towards having potentially a big impact on this game for the Buccaneers defense. And like you said, no love lost there. We saw how angry he came out and played against the Packers. Aaron Rodgers probably had something to do with that by selling that Vikings logo probably gets him pretty heated uh, still this to this day in his career. Um, and you mentioned kind of defending the running back, defending the rollouts and some of these passing uh, things. And, and the Buccaneers defense have been has been a little bit weak against running backs going out for routes, especially wheel routes. Every time a running back runs a wheel route, it just seems like a big play weight to happen against this Bucks defense. Tough one to defend. Yeah, um, but the, what the Bucks do defend extremely well, obviously, is the run. Uh, in fact, the Tampa Bay's defense hasn't allowed a single running back to have even a 60-yard rushing rushing performance this year. Ow. Now, for the Vikings, Dalvin Cook, when he doesn't rush for at least 65 yards, they tend to lose. They had one win where Cook rushed, rushed for less than 65 yards. That was against Carolina Panthers for 61 yards. Uh, Cook is one of the league's leading rushers, but he's also done it because of chunk games. 181, 130, 163, and then even a 206-yard rushing performance this season mm-hmm. for, for Dalvin Cook. Uh, if Cook can't get going against the Bucks defense, which is what the Bucks defense is going to expect to have happen, 
is there enough in Kirk Cousins in the passing game to do what guys like Jared Goff have done? I don't think the run game is going to be the reason. Like, I don't think the, the Vikings are going to be the team that that unlocks the run game, um, especially because, you know, we, we've seen the Bucks go against wide zone teams already. You know, they went up against the Packers and and shut that down. And I think like that kind of gives you a blueprint. And unless the Vikings can dream up something that the Packers couldn't, then. I'm I'm a little bit worried about uh about that idea. If the Buccaneers are gap sound, and I would imagine that they're pretty good at being in their gaps, they'll be able to kind of shut down Dalvin Cook. Um, Dalvin Cook's running style is is really good when you're asking uh when you're asking linebackers to like cover two gaps and, and Dalvin cook can kind of threaten one gap. And I, I always call him like a slalom skier because mm-hmm. he can change direction without losing any momentum. And it's not like a juke. It's just, it's very smooth fluid motion where he, he kind of, he, his hips like go outside his feet and he looks like he's on a slalom. Um, and he does that slalom move and it can kind of lure linebackers out of position. And then suddenly they don't have a good tackling angle. And that's how he gets his chunk plays. But if you're sound in your gaps and you just stay where you're supposed to be and you don't have, you know, young undisciplined, that's what happened to the Packers in that 206 yard game. Um, you know, they had two young rookie linebackers that played really undisciplined and Dalvin cook was able to kind of uh, manipulate them anywhere he wanted to manipulate them and then get, get uh, really good production that way. Um, but you know, with, with, a an offensive line, that's also struggling and CJ ham, the fullback has been up and down all year. Um, the running game is sort of dried up as it always does. You know, it, it always kind of ebbs and flows over the course of a season. The run game has kind of dried up. And I think if the Vikings are going to move the ball on the Buccaneers, I think it's going to have to be through the air. Even more outstanding insight into the Minnesota Vikings coming from Luke Braun of the Locked On Vikings podcast here with David Harrison of the Locked On Bucks podcast. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about Built Go, which is here to help you break through your wall, whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Built Go every day. Built Go comes in easy to carry one and a half ounce packages. You can easily slip one in your golf bag or whatever you're doing for the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like a five hour energy without the same crash feeling at the end. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. Comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. How does it work? It works because it combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast, and it's easy on your stomach. It's also loaded with great stuff like beta alanine, B3 honey, and a kick of caffeine. The collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, and hair and skin health. So the stuff literally makes you look better as you use it. Right now, go to BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you will get 20% off of your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Segment two of the Locked On Bucks podcast, Crossover Thursday, coming up. Back now for Crossover Thursday, David Harrison of the Locked On Bucks podcast, joined by the host of the Locked On Vikings podcast, Luke Braun. Find him on Twitter at Luke Braun. NFL dropping you all kinds of Minnesota Vikings knowledge five days a week. But let's pick up now where I left off my conversation with Luke Braun. We talked about this a little bit when you were asking me about the Buccaneers, but uh, Bruce Arians, head coach of the Buccaneers, has been celebrated and mocked at times for his no-risk-it, no-biscuit mentality. And a lot of people mm-hmm. do think that his deep passing preference has has contributed to what people see as a down year for Tom Brady in 2020. Uh, a lot of people are hoping to see adjustments coming out of the bye, like we talked about, more short intermediate passes, more play action, that kind of stuff. But the Vikings defense, statistically, is one of the most vo- more vulnerable defenses in the National Football League against the deep ball, having given up sure. 45 passes of 20-plus yards, 8 of 40-plus yards. Now, those aren't air yard completions, but what is an air yard completion stat is that Vikings cornerback Cam Dantzler, he's at 12 targets 
of 20 yards or more this season. That's the most of any Vikings defensive back, according to SIS. And he's allowed completions on about 33% of those passes, allowing two touchdowns, no interceptions to this point. Had a really good game against Jacksonville. Those deep mm-hmm. ball completions, though, against Dantzler, tied for the 17th most in the league among NFL cornerbacks, which for fans, when you consider there's two per team, that's pretty high up there. Or three, yeah. yeah. So, or three, yeah. So is this week the week that the, that the Arians' deep ball mentality could actually work? Or do you think those numbers paint an inaccurate picture about the Vikings' defense? Uh, so yes to the first question. Uh, I do think the deep ball can absolutely be an option for the Vikings, uh, but or for the for the Buccaneers against the Vikings. But I don't think Dantzler is the guy to highlight there because Dantzler he had a, an unbelievable game against Jacksonville, yeah. um, and he had he's actually been pretty hot. He had a good game against uh, Dallas and Carolina, and he's been a sticky man corner. So you know when we were talking about Mike Evans on the other side of this. Um, I, I was thinking, you know, okay, Mike Evans, contested catch guy, not good at getting separation. I would actually ask Cameron Dantzler to shadow Mike Evans in this game. I think he has the skill set to counter that. Um, and, and I think he's been playing really, really well. And I think the, the early struggles that he had, he was a rookie. He was getting uh, coverages mixed up. So he's getting credited with a lot of long touchdowns where he like blew the call. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just getting lost at the catch point. Uh, where you know he would just like, like kind of lose the ball and he wouldn't even contest the catch and then that like that happened in the fourth quarter I don't know if you saw the Sunday night game against the Seahawks where Russell Wilson drives down the field and gets that final touch that that final touchdown this kind of legacy moment for Russell Wilson huge play on that came on fourth and goal where he just threw up a goal ball to DK Metcalf and Cameron Dantzler lost the ball in the lights so that kind of thing hasn't been happening anymore. Um, and I think that's a lot of just rookie figuring it out. So I say it's much more likely that we have good Cameron Dantzler of recent times than bad Cameron Dantzler of earlier in the season when he was still like trying to acclimate to the league. So I don't think Dantzler is the guy to, to, to target. Um, and it definitely hasn't been the guy to target in the last three games. But there are other problems on uh, at the cornerback position. They have Chris Boyd and Chris Jones. Chris Jones, not that Chris Jones, uh, has been, uh, he's a guy that came off of Washington's practice squad. He's been playing significant snaps. Chris Boyd, second year, seventh round pick, playing significant snaps. They've been playing admirably, the two of them but they've also been babied a lot. The Vikings mm. basically have to run cover two because they don't have corners that can cover deep. So any deep pass you run is going to either have to be up the seam in cover two or like a corner route or something like that. Those kind of classic cover two beaters. The Vikings have actually run a lot of Tampa two, which is really funny because when Zimmer first got to Minnesota, the first thing he did was dismantle the Leslie Frazier Tampa two. Mm. Um, so now that they're back to Tampa two, I think it's a little fun moment of irony, um, but they kind of have no choice. So they, if you can run those those cover two deep, you know, run four verticals or something like that, uh, and and try to go for those deep balls. I do think that there's an opening there, but I think you're going to have to complete passes on Harrison Smith. I don't know if the Vikings are going to let you get a deep opportunity against like Chris Boyd. They're just not going to ask Chris Boyd to to cover deep and ask him to pass everything off to Anthony Harris or Harrison Smith and make sure that you can't get huge plays against the easiest players. Yeah, and that was gonna that bleeds right into my my last question actually. So looking at uh the middle of the Vikings defense without potentially Eric Kendricks. Now, I don't know if you know anything definitive or not about him returning or not. I, I haven't gotten, we have no uh, information. Yeah. I was, I don't know if that's a, a long-term injury or even one that's just going to make him miss another week or not. But if let's just say he doesn't go, what do you do with the Vikings safe or the Vikings safeties? Do you, do you bring them a little bit closer to the box to try to, to stifle Rob Gronkowski? Cause you know, if Kendricks isn't in there, Brady's looking for Gronk all day long, um, which of course is going to, is going to put stress on the safeties. 
then of course you open up the top side of everything and you know the, the again again the no risk it no biscuit offense and everything so where where's kind of where's the pick your poison if you have to pick between committing some safety help to the middle of the field or keeping that shell keeping that 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 lid on the offense per se which one which one do you think the vikings will go with if the game against Jacksonville is any indication uh, where, you know, Eric Hendricks gets hurt in warmups of that one, he didn't practice on Wednesday. That's the most we know. So that there's no been no comment or no report or anything about how long the injury could be or even what the injury is. And the Vikings are pretty notoriously tight lipped about this. So I don't know if we're ever going to learn uh, until, you know, he he's back or he practices or whatever. Um, but here's what I would do. I would keep the safeties back because if you're going to have a problem, I don't want that problem to be with deep passes. That's like the worst problem to have. Right. Um, so it, right now, the linebackers, I think, are going to be Eric Wilson, Todd Davis, uh, Todd Davis, a longtime Broncos starter, Eric Wilson. He's been, he was an undrafted free agent a couple of years ago. He's kind of a converted safety. He's been up and down. And then Troy Dye, rookie out of Oregon, would come in and base packages. Um, and I, I think the Vikings run defense and the way that it works is, is pretty good. They've been pretty good. I think at keeping defensive linemen from getting up to the second level or keeping offensive linemen from getting up to the second level, kind of holding their spots against combo blocks and stuff like that. And basically freeing up the linebackers to not have the hardest job in the world. So when you give a player as good as Eric Kendricks, an easy job, he's going to like really shine and be an all world guy. And that's kind of what we've seen. But if you give a guy like Todd Davis, who's been playing at a backup quality level an easy job, then he can actually play reasonably. Um, he missed four tackles in that Jacksonville game, though. So if you have elusive players that can make a guy miss, now is the time because the, the Vikings have a pre, a, all the players that the Vikings have left, at least, have tackling issues. Their corners have had some tackling issues. Uh, Todd Davis and Eric Wilson have missed some. They've had tackling issues on the defensive line. So, yeah, if you can make guys miss, I would give the, put the ball in those guys' hands. Um, but in terms of your original question, no, I don't think it's wise to bring a safety in the box unless you think that because Cameron Dantzler is playing better now that he can carry stuff deep and, and you can afford to and you can do some like kind of cover to invert thing or something like that where Cameron Dantzler takes a deep responsibility and you can bring Harrison Smith up into the box to go wreak some havoc. The Vikings will still blitz and do, you know, single high on some downs because they kind of have to, especially on downs that are like really likely run downs. They'll, they'll do single high, bring an extra guy into the box to help out. Uh, but I, I don't think that it's going to be uh, something where they're so worried about the absence of Eric Kendricks that they hang their struggling cornerbacks out to dry. Going to wrap up our conversation with Luke Braun of the Locked On Vikings podcast here in just a moment. But first, we got to talk about how this football season is going to be different, has been different, and Pepsi has been and is still here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch the season, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi made for football watching. Our final segment with Luke Braun of the Locked On Vikings podcast coming up here on the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Segment three of the Locked On Bucks podcast, crossover Thursday, Luke Braun of the Locked On Vikings podcast here with me. Let's continue this conversation about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Minnesota Vikings. I think I'm I'm of the same mentality as you are. I think you take your chances, keep the lid on the offense, uh, keep everything underneath, try to punch the ball, strip the ball, hope, hope the offense makes a mistake, at least keep them to field goals, because we all know that this, you can't win on field goals in this league. Uh, Luke, my actual last question before I let you get out of here, though, looking at the Buccaneers offense and defense, their entirety of the team, where do the Vikings win this game if they come out of Tampa with a win? I would say if there is a world, I would say it is in uh, it's it's got to be somewhere in the secondary with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. 
Um, if you can get long go balls down the sideline, if you can maybe get look off a, a young safety like Antoine Winfield playing his dad's old team, by the way, his favorite team growing up. Yeah, he wore he wore his Gophers thing in a in a press conference this week. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, a lot of Vikings fans really really mad that he's not a he's not a Viking. Um, Tyler but Johnson, I think if you Tyler like, Johnson also playing with the Buccaneers, so a lot of oh, Minnesota yeah, yeah. love going on there and and playing well, yeah. underused. Got to use when he, when he gets his chances. He's definitely done well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the, the opportunity has to be there. So even with the, the secondary, um, if the secondary plays well for, for Tampa, even against good secondary play, I think Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen can get opportunities deep and they can come down with contested catches and stuff. If the Vikings can do that, they can keep pace. And then I think on the other side of the ball, it would just, it has to be something with that front four, which has been really struggling. It's made of backups. Um, the Vikings front four is, is not a, a star studded unit. Like we're kind of used to seeing in purple the last, I don't know, 35 years. Um, but if they, can get some pressure with four with some stunts and stuff, or even blitzing like five, like kind of responsible blitzes. Cause I don't love blitzing Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, then I, I think they can maybe slow down these Buccaneers and make a game out of it. But the Vikings are underdogs and they're also a very chaotic team. So we could definitely both go back to our, our microphones on, on Sunday night, Monday morning and say, well, that was a weird one. Here's what happened. <laughs> and I think maybe that's the best way for the Vikings to win is to just generate as much chaos as possible. Try to get yeah. some strips, try to get some fumbles, try to get some weird stuff that happens, weird special teams plays. I, I think the Vikings will want this to be chaotic as they are road underdogs. Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, the, the Buccaneers secondary uh, has has looked vulnerable vulnerable at times. Kansas City Chiefs took advantage of the fact that Jamel Dean missed that game uh, in the NFL's concussion protocol, now out of concussion protocol, but didn't practice on Wednesday because of a groin injury. So now his status is in question against Justin Jefferson and the Minnesota Vikings uh, uh, wide receivers, uh, despite the fact that he's come back from his concussion. So if Jamel Dean can't go, Buccaneers fans are not going to be happy about that, and neither is Todd Bowles. Like, okay, so I've watched like some of the primetime games. I've covered Tom Brady on Locked On NFL a couple times because I did Tuesday show. We do, we do Monday Night Football. Um, so I, I've seen a decent amount of Tom Brady, more than other teams that I don't cover. Right. But I know that like that's not a great sample. Is his arm still, I mean, is he writing checks he can't cash? Is his arm still there? Or has he have, have they kind of figured out how to utilize a quarterback who's aged as much as Brady has? Or am I like totally off base about him and he's the same Brady he's always been? I think that last question is, is really where you kind of hit on the point. I mean, I think his arm is fine. You know, uh, Tom Brady's never had the biggest cannon in the world anyway. And, and sure, it's it's not as strong as maybe it once was and and it, it what some of the highlight reels will show. But it's still it's it's a it's a it's an NFL capable arm uh, that Tom Brady's coming into the game with. I think really what where the struggle has come in is finding the balance between what Tom Brady does best and what uh, Bruce Arians wants his offense to do best. And that's really, I think, where the conflict is coming. That's where some of these struggles are coming in. I'm thinking, I'm hoping, and a lot of people are hoping that after the bye week, some of that's going to figure itself out. We have seen a little bit here and there of of more of the shorter passing game. Uh, They have tried to get the running backs involved in the passing game a little bit more recently. Uh, Unfortunately, some of the running backs themselves have not really helped out that situation. Uh, So it's hard to Mm -hmm. try to incorporate the running backs into the passing game when the running backs themselves can't prove that they're they're worthy recipients of a Tom Brady pass uh, that's going to be beneficial to your team and then you know Bruce Aarons also leaned on when you when you get down you know 17 points early to a team like the Kansas City Chiefs or the New Orleans Saints or what have you uh, it's kind of hard to to be patient and to kind of continue to dink and duck down dink and dunk down the field but I think 
when you're staring down the barrel of, you know, four, three and outs, three straight three and outs, and we've seen multiple games where this team has strung together three and out drives uh, on offense while your defense is getting pummeled on the other side of the field. I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of justify those actions. Um, so, so that's kind of where we're looking for this Buccaneers team to really strike a balance is between the need and desire to be aggressive and then the intelligence behind playing or within uh, playing within Tom Brady's skill set. Yeah, so that, that sounds a little bit more like an indictment of Arians than an indictment of of Tom Brady, but I'm sure that's like that the whole debate over in Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as the head coach, you know, you're you're gonna be the guy that takes the brunt of 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 the suffering, you know what I mean? But you don't know what's going on sure. necessarily in, in the in the room. You know, there's a part of me that feels like Tom Brady came to Tampa because he wanted to play in a Bruce Arian system that lets him kind of throw the ball all over the field and down the field and mm-hmm. show that he can do it and and everything else. So there could be some some proud stubbornness coming from Tom himself. Uh, you know, we don't know what's happening in the meeting rooms, and that's what COVID has really done. I think across the board, you know, usually, uh, you know, okay. media members could, could get in there for training camp and kind of pick their brains or kind of see how the the atmosphere is on the sideline or how they're kind of interacting with each other. You know, I remember uh, the last days of Dirt Cutter. I mean, you could just see the tension between Jameis Winston and Dirt Cutter, and you just knew that mm-hmm. that time was coming to an end. And you know, the NFL doesn't get rid of the player. They usually get rid of the coach. So you kind of knew that was coming to an end because you had that access and you had that vision. Uh, you really don't have that here. So, I mean, who knows, man? I mean, it could be a thing where Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich are sitting in there saying, hey, man, maybe we need to cut some of these things shorter. And Tom say, no, no, coach, we got this. We got this. We can figure this out as long as, you know, Mike and I get on the same page. We can still push the ball downfield. It, it's, you know, it's, you can, we all make the assumptions, you know, and as a head coach, like you said, you're going to take the brunt of the of the criticism. I think Bruce is fine with that. And then Tom Brady is next up in line, and he's definitely taking that head on as well. Uh, but, you know, not knowing exactly what's going on in the meeting room, both of them are very proud, very established professionals in the, in the National Football League. So I wouldn't be surprised if both of them are kind of sitting there saying, no, we can make this happen. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess expanding to the entire offense rather than just the quarterback, because I mean, the, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronkowski, all these crazy weapons, but there have been some teams who have managed to kind of shut that down. You know, New Orleans a couple times, the Giants had a great game against the, you know, played kind of out of their minds against the Bucks, uh, the Chiefs and stuff. So I guess if I were to go scout those games to try to find, you know, okay, what are the Vikings going to game plan here? And I bet the Vikings are going to do a similar exercise themselves. Um, what, what am I looking for? What was the thing that all of the those teams had in common that allowed them to kind of slow down an offense that on paper is just utterly stacked. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be strong. You gotta be strong over the middle. That's number one, because of Tom Brady, the more Tom Brady gets with Rob Gronkowski in this system, the more and more comfortable they get together. And you're seeing that on a weekly basis uh, that he and Gronk are really starting to reconnect. And I still think they have some room to grow, which is why I still say starting to, I think there's still more connection they can build uh, within this offense together. And that's going to be a scary thing if, and when the Buccaneers make the playoffs, that's kind of what this game is going to really help dictate. Right. Um, I think what, what defenses, what defenses have done really well um, is respect Mike Evans and respect what he can do. Uh, play close to him, play tight with him. Um, look, Keenan Allen talked some trash, you know, about him to him and Chris Godwin during the <laughs> offseason about the NFL top 100. And one of the things he said uh, that does ring true is separation. Keenan Allen is is one of the better receivers in his career, at getting separation against defenders. And Mike Evans, honestly, is just mm-hmm. not one of those guys. He doesn't win He's a with separation. Catch guy, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is something that that Buccaneers opponents have kind of leaned on. They, they know that Mike Evans isn't going to get a lot of separation. They make sure that Mike Evans can't get a lot of separation. Don't give him a lot of room uh, to use that wingspan. Force Tom Brady to put it in there in a spot, knowing that a lot of those routes are going to be long developing. And so now you got to make sure you get that pressure on Tom because just like any other quarterback, nobody likes pressure. But Tom Brady in his career, that's kind of been the thing. Get in his face, get pressure up the gut, 
and you're going to have a better situation. Well, when the, the throwing window is tighter because you have a star receiver that doesn't get separation and you have the pressure, that's where teams have been able to make their money. Uh, Chris Godwin is another guy that a lot of people around the Buccaneers kind of want to see get involved more. Not saying that he hasn't been involved you know, at all. He's, uh, he's obviously still a star receiver in the league, but maybe starting looking at him as almost towards more your number one type of uh, type of receiver. And I know Mike Evans is still the guy, you know, there from a name name perspective. Uh, but as long as defenses are there forcing Tom Brady to throw tight passes to the to guys like Mike Evans, use the space that Chris Godwin is getting underneath and even over the top out of the slot uh, and make defenses pay for uh, dedicating those resources over to Mike. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, a lot of that is working out probably better than I'm selling it too. Cause I mean, the Buccaneers are still in like pretty comfortable playoff position. They're still, you know, they've got a winning record. They're doing well enough, but I do want to kind of flip over to the defense. Cause I've been fascinated with the ev- evolution of this Todd Bowles defense over the course mm. of, of the season um, and all this blitz heavy stuff. And then, you know, suddenly teams like the chiefs and saints are, are finding a way to like unlock it. it is should Todd Bowles move away from the blitz or is there a different problem going on here? Or is it just that they're getting kind of caught being too aggressive? So, I mean, it's it's kind of a mix of, of both, to be honest with you. There are times where Todd Bowles moves away from the blitz and moves into more of his own coverage, and the Buccaneers' defense, the youth in that secondary, kind of gets exposed when he does that uh, if they can't get home with that organic three-man rusher, even if they add a fourth rusher, which, you know, typically is they do run a base 3-4, so that fourth rusher is technically, I guess, an extra guy, but really it's not. Um, so it's it's kind of been one of those situations where, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of Todd Bowles gets caught guessing the wrong way. I guess we want to call that. It's not, it's not really guessing. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a very calculated person, but you know, it's just, it just it's kind of seems like right now, point, everybody, yeah. yeah, they know exactly how to counter what he's doing. And the loss of Vita Vea has really been huge in that aspect because with Vita Vea on the line mm-hmm. and Dominican Sue and Will Golston, you've got a defensive front of three men that the, the offense has to use at least four blockers just to block that organic three man rush, maybe five, sometimes depending on who you've got out there. If you've got a weak you know, interior offensive line, you're using five blockers to block all three of those guys. So now when you got Levante David or Devin White screaming through the edge or screaming through the line or JPP or Shaq Barrett coming off the edge, now you're dedicating even more resources to keep your quarterback upright, which of course helps a young secondary. So the loss of Vita has been absolutely, you know, huge, monumental. You can't, you can't undersell uh, what that has really meant. And you've seen it since the Chicago Bears game. I think uh, the Green Bay Packers game gave a lot of people a little bit of a false sense of security because they came out there and really put a whooping on Aaron Rodgers, which mm-hmm. I'm sure Vikings fans were happy to see. Uh, but really Absolutely. since then, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> ever <laughs> since then, you've seen teams kind of come in and they kind of come in unafraid and say, you know what? We have extra blockers that can that can handle your pass rush because you don't have a block eater in there like Vita Vea. And we're going to take advantage of that. We're going to spread you out in the secondary while we keep five. Maybe maybe they keep a six guy in there, but typically they're coming in a lot of times with just the five forcing that young secondary to catch up. And a lot of times they can't. That's really interesting. I'm not sure if that's, if that's a check, the Vikings can cash with the way yeah. that their protection has been. <laughs> Luke Braun, appreciate your time. Uh, coming here and yeah. talking to me about all, all the Minnesota Vikings stuff. Good luck this weekend. Enjoy the game. Yeah, you too, man. Have a good one. All right, guys, don't forget tomorrow on Friday to end the week, James Yarko and I will both be back here at the locked on bucks podcast to finish up our thoughts, predictions, game plans for how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will beat the Minnesota Vikings in week 14 in Raymond James Stadium to advance to eight and five and put a nice little stranglehold on one of those wild card playoff spots as they look to get back to the postseason for the first time since 2007. Of course, hopefully it's not going to take that long for you to come back and check out your next episode of the Locked on Bucks podcast. Again, we've got one dropping tomorrow, so come on back and see us. Until we speak again, please, if you're out and about, be safe, be kind to one another, wash your hands, and thank you so much for joining me right here at Locked on Bucks.